Welcome to the Fast Casual QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Podcast. The pandemic has nearly passed, but consumer habits have been set. If you aren't the most convenient option, you're losing sales to your competition. Luckily, Gimbal's on the way, SDK. Let stores know when a customer has left, if they're stuck in traffic, and when they've arrived. Don't make Timmy wait. I wonder how long this is going to take. Deliver magical experiences. Here's your order, sir. Whoa, thanks. For all your curbside and in-store pickup customers. Visit gimbal.com slash podcast to learn more. Hello, all of you in restaurant land, and hope you're doing well today as we begin another edition of our podcast with me, your host, QSR Web and Pizza Marketplace Editor, Shelly Whitehead. And I'm delighted you're here today because it's going to be a tasty one. Because in the house today is the fellow in charge of a brand that just surpassed the 100 store mark with its eyes on many hundreds more, I'm sure. Teriyaki Madness and its chairman and CEO, Michael Hay. Welcome to you, Michael. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we are so glad that you are. Um, First off, congratulations for hitting that huge milestone of opening your 100 stores, so way to go on that. Um, how does it feel uh, to, to kind of hit that after all your labors, and what does that mean for the brand going forward relative to how it might change the way Teriyaki Manners travels through the restaurant landscape on its path to its next growth milestone? Huh. Well, it feels It feels great. It's been a long time coming. There was a lot of foundation and infrastructure that had to be built to get to 100. And now we can leverage all of that infrastructure and foundation and team that we've gotten to be able to hit our strategic plan for 500 over the next five to six years. So obviously quite a bit of acceleration. 500 over the next, that's a lofty goal. Do you acknowledge that or is it just business as usual? (laughs) Well, it's lofty, but we've already got the pieces in place. We've got folks, our our current franchisees are expanding very aggressively. We've got a team of 73 people in the office and we only have 101 shops. So we've invested a lot of time and energy in being able to accelerate pretty dramatically while keeping the wheels on and having somewhat controlled aggressive growth. But it's really not beyond us or much of a stretch of what we're accomplishing now to hit that number in five or six years. We'll open another um, 40-something shops this year um, with another 50% growth to the system next year. And those those pieces are already in place. Wow. Um, You know, wrapped up in all that, of course, is what and really who this brand is. So, How would you describe Teriyaki Madness and its personality to, let's say, a bunch of customers you're trying to win over? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, You know, there really isn't any organized delivery branded Asian. And we have really embraced providing something that is consistent, something that's delicious, that's healthy, not necessarily healthy that claims to be delicious. We have a culture of entrepreneurship, and we kind of refer to us as being a bit irreverent. 
our marketing is designed to focus on people who appreciate that we have a point of differentiation, that we're not like everyone else, that they can customize the food the way they, they would like. Um, by having a whole lot of different options, they can make it as ex- their bowl as extravagant as they'd like, or they can make it as healthy as they would like. And that's um, being able to have it their way is kind of the cornerstone of how our franchisees think, how our corporate staff thinks, and how our customers really have learned that Teriyaki Madness represents is something that's relatively um, hip, I guess, but not not artificially so, that we're authentic to our food and that it can be whatever they would like it to be. So uh, extending on that a little bit, um, can you tell us kind of on a daily basis, this, how does this brand kind of live that personality in your operations and marketing? You, you explained some of that. Sure. Um, on kind of a higher level than daily basis, we've built ingredients that are very simple that can be combined to be, once again, delicious that's healthy versus healthy that's delicious is a really key Um, component of how we've built this on a daily basis, how it's executed is all of the staff, all of the shop owners, all of um, who we are is understanding that we're built to customize for the customer. If they'd like a small bowl, a large bowl, protein, no protein, vegetables, we've got fresh vegetables, we've got fresh all natural chicken, Um, really authentic Um, flavors and ingredients um, that have been designed to be very profitable for the franchisee to be a good value for the customer. And um, something that's very, our growth and and our operations are sustainable. Um, And that's kind of the key to who we are. Um, we, We use the word authenticity. At the end of the day, We want to be a teriyaki shop, a local teriyaki shop that integrates in the neighborhood that has local raving fans, but has an engine under the hood that is very technologically advanced to help run the business and be able to market the business to that neighborhood. Can you give us an idea how teriyaki madness um, was and is being affected, if it is, by the past year of the pandemic and the current industry struggle with labor. Struggled with labor. Yeah, let's let, I struggled with kind of the COVID environment. Um, in March, I'm not going to lie, we were scared. We had no idea what was going to happen. Business fell through the floor, we 40% down for about three to four weeks. We have so much uh, third-party delivery and contactless um, pickup in place that um, our customers who know us felt really comfortable ordering from us. And uh, soon we jumped to about 18% same store sales growth through the rest of of 2020. Um, We didn't have a whole lot of 
issue with labor in 2020 because there weren't a whole lot of jobs because our competition was more or less closed down or really struggling with their business. So we could attract a lot of talent um, and keep them very busy. In 2021, we're up 32% over that number as people have kind of settled in and discovered us through third-party delivery and our marketing and, and really our business model and really have come to love our food. Well, it's a different story now that everybody else is open and they're also cranking too. <laughs> and we've just learned that we need to be competitive. Um, employees love working for the teams that we've built in each individual neighborhood teriyaki shop. And we've no doubt um, found that we need to increase our wages. Um, there is a very competitive atmosphere. And how do we recruit folks to the shops that we're opening rapidly? It's we need to get them in the door to understand that we, we really are an employer of choice. Uh, it's a nice place to work. We've got a great culture. And um, they're appreciated both with compensation and the way that we treat them. So do you want to disclose a little about where you are now for starting wages and where you're heading? Yeah, I think $15, $15 an hour is pretty much green fees. Um, it, it's just if folks aren't paying that now, they're struggling. And we see our competitors now just saying straight up starting wage or average wage is going to be increasing quite a bit. Um, we were already there. Um, and, and continuing to make modifications. Uh, we've had to um, increase our, our prices a bit to compensate for that. There's a lot of challenges in the restaurant industry right now with commodity prices that have absolutely soared. Uh, labor is tough to get, and we have to pay more for that. And eventually, everybody's going to be raising their prices, I have no doubt in my mind, to compensate. Um, and to be able to protect their margins a little bit and have a viable business model. How do you feel that out as far as customers are concerned? And like, if they're okay with a certain amount of price increase, have you got a sense of that one way or the other? Yeah, being, you know, the nice thing about being about 100 units now, we just opened 101 a couple of days ago is that we have the team and we have the resources to be able to pilot, to be able to test, to be able to do competitive comparisons, to be able to, to, be able to do focus groups and really understand what our customer wants and their level of understanding that wages have increased and we're gonna have to go ahead and, and raise the prices. We've done two price increases over the last year, one in March of 2020, and we did one in April of 2021 that allowed us to proactively address some of the margin pressures that exist now. Um, having that analytics team and have, being able to forecast what's coming down the, the pipe is uh, really important and serves our franchisees pretty well. Uh, what we didn't see was the labor pressures um, caused by a variety of issues. Uh, and that's, that's already in our strategic plan for a price alteration or some kind of modification in the first quarter of next year. As far as, can you share from your focus groups what you're getting from customers? Are they like 
pretty tolerant of wage increases to a point. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually are. Um, we're a big fan of providing value. Uh, people understand quality costs a little bit more money, and that's our consumer. It's, it's folks who come in and they, they're willing to pay a little bit more for fresh vegetables and high quality rice and, and fresh, never frozen, all natural chicken. Um, so we do have some elasticity in place that allows us to charge what we need to charge. And our customers um, so far with those last two price increases understood very little pushback. And as our competitors raise their prices, um, you know, in more of a reactive manner, it allows us additional proactive moves in the near future. So I'm going to hit you with a question that might be difficult. I don't know. Just curious here about you as a restaurateur. And if I put you on the spot and asked you, which side of the business gets you more excited, the business end or the culinary end? What would you say? <laughs> Yeah. So I, you know, I started in the restaurant business when I was 15 something years old, washing dishes and bussing tables. And once that got in my blood, and I think most restaurateurs who are listening uh, can nod their head once it's in your blood. It, it, and I've tried to get away. It's just hard to get away. I, you know, once in restaurants, always in restaurants. Um, but I was fascinated by franchising and being able to help people um, pursue an opportunity by owning a restaurant and having that transactional existence where you're really working with customers. Um, the satisfaction of having them have a great experience and coming back and telling their friends, that's the cornerstone of, of being a restaurateur, having a, kind of a retail experience. So gosh, love the restaurant business. Um, I don't know if I'm a foodie, but I certainly like good, authentic food. Um, and then understand the business and being able to build something for not only myself, but being able to help others build a business or a career path or take advantage of a, an opportunity um, through restaurants is, is incredibly gratifying. Okay. Enough with the talk of dollars and cents, because I want to plunge into this food of yours before we let you go today. And I want to start with that manifesto, including the pledge of no gut moms and food that, as your website says, makes you feel like a million bucks. So is it true that very few of your menu items even cross the 500 calorie a serving mark, which is an incredible feat in limited service, I have to tell you, if that's so. And then also, how challenging is it to succeed on a daily basis with that along with giving customers that food they crave? Well, that kind of feeds into what I've said a couple of times is that we're delicious food that happens to be healthy. Um, if you want to do more than 500 calories, it's actually very easy to do. We've got some fried foods on the menu. We've got plenty of rice. We've got plenty of noodles. But it's almost easier to go ahead and get some fresh vegetables and, and chicken. Doesn't sound that great when it comes out of my mouth, but that's what I get. I get what, what we call a power bowl. I get spicy chicken with uh, fresh vegetables. And because of the sauces and because of the way that it's, it's stir fried, um, it has incredible flavor. 
Um, how easy is it to execute? It's super easy to execute. It really, the, the whole health aspect doesn't come into our thought process um, as much as one would think. It's just who we are. Asian food, if it's not messed with too much, is inherently healthier. Uh, by limiting or, or focusing on the oils and the fats and focusing on fresh ingredients um, designed to be delicious. It just, once again, happens to be healthy. And we're a big beneficiary of that. Well, it's, um, it's good to see. I mean, particularly if you go through, um, you know, just about any limited service brand menu that, you know, that, that feat of, of, keeping things under 500 a serving is pretty, that's pretty, um, that's pretty amazing. Don't you think? I mean, the, was that intentional at all? No, not intentional at all. It, it just simply is a function of the food. We have a whole, you know, if we're close to a gym, we'll have the folks who work out and then they'll come over um, and they'll be in there, gosh, three, four, five times a week. The, 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 in, in Las Vegas, we're, we're by a gym where I'll walk into the shop around lunchtime. There'll be the same big muscle builder sitting there getting his chicken breast and veggies every day at the same time, same meal. Um, it, it, it's not how we design the menu. It was, you know, what do my kids want to eat? They don't necessarily eat the old fast food that I used to eat as a kid. They want things that they feel good about that have great flavors. But it, I, I hear it over and over and over again that what attracts people to Teriyaki Madness is that the kids love the food and they couldn't care less about the health aspects of it. <laughs> um, and then there's other folks who, who say, gosh, I'm going to go there because it isn't a, um, a, a pizza or a burger with fries. It's um, something a little healthier. It was never our intention to create a healthy concept. It just, once again, it, it was a byproduct of us creating really good, authentic, clean um, food. Serendipity. <laughs> it, it's a great competitive advantage that um, we kind of just got, we just backed into. Wow. This, this has been a fun and I have to say hunger-inducing podcast so I really want to thank you, Michael, for helping us get to know Teriyaki Madness a little better. My guest today is Teriyaki Madness Chairman and CEO, Michael Hay. I hope everybody listening, you took away some useful information or were just entertained because that's invaluable too. But for now, we're going to sign off and wish you a great day and great business. Bye, y'all. The pandemic has nearly passed, but consumer habits have been set. If you aren't the most convenient option, you're losing sales to your competition. Luckily, Gimbal's On The Way SDK lets stores know when a customer has left, if they're stuck in traffic, and when they've arrived. Don't make Timmy wait. I wonder how long this is going to take. Deliver magical experiences. Here's your order, sir. Whoa, thanks. For all your curbside and in-store pickup customers. Visit gimbal.com slash podcast to learn more.